0: Welcome back to the Passion Pursuit podcast. This is the continuation of our interview with Brad, and we're just going to jump right back into where we left off with the, the interview, the part one interview, and we, and we were coming through kind of the ways Brad had grown from the, the, the man he was nine months into it versus the man he was before he left. And so the next question, Brad, I'd like to get into is you're thriving in this culture and you're growing in great ways. and. First and foremost, you're seeing people led to Christ. You're nine months into it. I mean, you have three months left in your missions trip. Kind of take us through what it was like knowing that you're going to be coming off the mission field in three months, knowing, you know, in the back of your mind, you're in an environment where God's using you in an amazing way.
1: Yeah, it was, it's hard to explain, really. When I came to Malawi, when I was getting prepared to go to Malawi for the year Because I had lived in the United States for 18 years of my life, I really couldn't comprehend that I'm leaving the United States and I'm going to be in Africa for a year. I really couldn't process it until I actually got on the plane. And, And I found the same thing to be true when I was in Malawi, and that's because Malawi became my home. And those last couple months, I really couldn't even picture leaving. And I think I was also so busy that I really didn't even have a whole lot of time to think about leaving. But I remember in the last couple of days that I was there, one of my best friends, Daniel had came from the United States to spend some time and serving in Malawi. And we were staying together and he said, man, you just got two days left. What are your feelings? And I'm like, I don't know, man. It doesn't feel like I'm leaving. And and even as I was getting ready to leave, there was a family, a missionary family there that I had bonded with very closely. And um, it's a husband and wife that live there. And I, I call the wife kind of my second mom. We just had a very special relationship. And um, I remember when I was hugging her goodbye, she's like, you know, it just it doesn't feel like you're actually leaving. It just feels like you're going to go drop off some people at the airport and then you're going to come back and we'll have dinner and we'll drop you back off at your apartment and then we'll see you on at church on Sunday. And I was like, that's exactly the way that I feel. It didn't mm. feel like I was leaving at all until I got on that plane. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's hard to really explain that, but it, it definitely is sad now in retrospect. Not so much sad, but... I guess it's harder to feel like your life has purpose when you come back to the United States and you've been here for three weeks and you're not doing nearly as much as you were doing in the past. You know, I know that God has called me to full-time ministry, but I'm not in the place in my walk yet where I'm prepared to go into a full-time pastorate. So it's always been a dream, full-time ministry, full-time ministry. And Alex and I dream about that. We've dreamed about that for years now together. But I woke up one day in Malawi and mentally I realized I'm in full-time ministry right now. I was living it out in my life, but I didn't recognize it. And so just the fact that I went from full-time ministry to coming back and I'm not in full-time ministry now and I really haven't had time to start serving in the church to the degree that I want to, it can make you sort of feel like a bum.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. I know mm-hmm. I'd probably feel that way too. I mean, you, you were busy. Oh, yeah. You know? it, and just for the record... Why don't you tell the listeners how long you have officially been home for now?
1: I've been home for three weeks. Yeah, and so,
0: you know, you've only been home for three weeks, and you just came off a mission field where you were busy doing so many different things. I mean, I know I would probably feel very similar to how you're feeling. So, that being said, you know, this is your native culture that you're used to. This is your home but just in talking with you since you've been home, there's some parts of, you know, the Malawi culture that you do miss about, you know, church culture over there and just kind of the way they do things. So outside of more like the, the spiritual side of things, what was it like leaving that culture behind and coming home back to American
1: culture? Well, man, it, it was it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Um, I remember the first thing. That I recognized was when my parents picked me up from the airport when we were driving home. First off, I recognized how smooth the roads were. Because in Malawi, it is bumpy, bumpy roads. Even well-paved roads, it's going to be bumpy. And uh, another thing was just looking around and seeing how nice the cars looked around me. And they weren't particularly nice cars what we would consider as nice cars they weren't head turners i guess you could say i wasn't looking around and seeing a bunch of ferraris and corvettes (laughs) these were just regular sedans four doors but they had all the doors on them they didn't have a huge cracked windshield they had this gloss paint on them and, and that was a really stark contrast from malawi so that was one of the things that i recognized but it has been very smooth transition back into american culture um, and by the grace of God. I think one of the things that's definitely most obvious about coming back into American culture, uh, especially with being a man, is how over-sexualized the American culture is. You can't escape it. Uh, I've watched probably five or six movies with my parents since I've been home, and every single movie has something that is either leading to a sex scene where it, it fades to black or has some sort of sexual innuendo. You can't escape it. And even in just the way that we dress within our culture, it is very sex-driven. And uh, in the Malawian culture, the way that they dress is much more conservative, I guess you could say. Um, they they walk around with um, sort of skirts, you could say, that they wear. They're these pieces of material that have uh, printed fabric on them, and they wrap them around their waist. The women do, and uh, they're never going to be showing any parts of their bodies off. Um, and, and same for a man; uh, he would be wearing pants and a shirt, and you're just not going to see that sort of thing. And so. That's very stark contrast for me as a man just coming back, and you can't escape it. If you just walk down the street, there's going to be temptation. Whereas in Malawi, there wouldn't be as much temptation. So that's another thing that's that's definitely been wow. That's that's hit me, and um, as a result, seeing that I need to fortify myself and build myself up in the world the word even more so, so that. I don't actually lust after these women and so then I'm not thinking immoral thoughts in my head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we've we've got a church that sends a lot of short term missionaries to Malawi every year. And something that has been a common thread when they come back is they talk about how the Malawi people worship at church. Yes. Could you talk to us a little bit about how different it is and just kind of the way it's moved you?
1: Yeah. Um, so the way that they worship, they're into it. I mean, when you look at a United States church, people, everybody's gonna be standing, and most of them are probably just gonna be just mouthing the words they're not really singing it. I mean, there's a couple people in the crowd that you can hear that they're singing it and they're into it. And obviously the people up on stage are. But in Malawi, everybody's into it. Everybody's praising. And uh, you can just tell it's different. They're more intimate with it. It is really a time of worship and it feels like a time of worship. And my favorite people to watch worship is is there's uh, a part of the Passion Center called the Passion Center for Pastors. And this is... A, a branch of the Passion Center where um, a pastor who heavily influenced both Alex and I goes to Malawi three times a year, and he teaches pastors how to be pastor, really, because in Malawi, anybody can kind of be a pastor. As long as they have a church building, they can just get up in front of a pulpit and say nothing or anything with no training at all. And, and so they as a result, have a lot of doctrinally whacked out stuff. And so what that pastor does is he goes over there and trains them. And uh, I've had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to run the slideshow for him. Just we have this projector hooked up to a laptop. It's very, very much not, you know. we would consider primitive at this point. Right. And I was actually going to use that word primitive, uh, somewhat primitive. And um and man I love to see those pastors worship just the clapping i mean they're into it and they're singing their hearts out closing their eyes and you it just it feels different and i know just even from being back at church for two Sundays now stark contrast and i miss it i remember i think the last month i was there and just witnessing a worship service that was just like any other at my church in Malawi and just thinking, man, I'm going to miss this.
0: Yeah, I, I would, I would too. I think that sounds awesome. And mm-hmm. I've seen videos of yeah, people who yeah. have gone there recording it. And it is, it's a lot different and it's moving just to watch those people worship. You know, we're, we're talking about how the culture is different over there and what it was like for you to leave the culture behind. And it's sad that you come home to the states and it's not like, ah oh, yes, American culture. I'm back in my environment. Right. I know one of the things you're most excited about was food, but yeah. that's you know that's one thing. I'm talking about that spiritual culture. It's just it's watered down, and you're experiencing that, and that's just sad because you know we're America, we're the Christian nation, <laughs> and you go overseas to a place like Malawi, and it's like,
1: are we? Right? I are think we? That's a that's a very valid question. Very valid thought. And uh, and I thought that I sort of had myself not in those exact words, but you just man, you see how much these people really trust in God. They have to trust in God in a different way than someone in the United States does, because you know someone in the United States will say, "Oh yeah, I'm trusting God for my income and everything." But it's I think it's harder for us to see that because we're the ones out working and we're the ones making the money that's providing for us for our food. And so I think it's easy to make that disconnect and not think that God's providing for us, but that we're providing for ourselves. The reality is, is that God's providing for us through that job and that money that we're making. But for the Malawian They don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And so as a result, they have to really have faith and trust in God and and in certain verses that we just kind of read over like, oh, that's kind of cool. God's going to provide for us. God feeds the raven, so he's going to feed us too. That's awesome. But they, I mean, they're looking at those verses and, man, God's going to feed me. And that means something totally different to them. I I mean, this is a culture where they are making less than $400 a year for their annual income. I mean... I know a ton of people who make that in two weeks that they're making that every paycheck and that's as much as they make in a year. And about 80 to 9% of that is going to go towards food to feed themselves. So there's not wiggle room for them in their paycheck to be able to go out and you know, go take the kids on vacation to go and, and and to have a savings fund or anything. And I guess I, I take back that statement, 80-90% food. I would say 89 percent food and school fees and clothes, the basic necessities, soap, that sort of thing. So you only have that about 10% where it's anything that you could use. And it's probably less than that for most. Right. So you're kind of getting into the material culture side of things, and
0: I'm just curious. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, we know in the Mar- in, in in the states, or we we know in first world parts of the world, the the comparison of material culture between a first world country versus a third world country like Malawi. You don't even need to be a Christian to understand the poverty that's happening there. I would just want your 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 uh, in, your individual perspective of what do you think, like how do you think the lack of material culture in Malawi opened the door for the gospel?
1: Well, I think that first and foremost is because we unknowingly make material items our gods in the United States. We're not worshiping them as gods in our minds, but because we're devoted so much time to them, and, and we devote money and, and resources to them, it's very easy for something else other than God to become God in the United States culture um, and any culture that has materialism because we're seeing things and we want things. And so I think for somebody in Malawi who doesn't have that materialism, first and foremost, they're not going to be distracted with that, and they're going to they're going to have more thoughts like, is there a God? And and what does that all look like? Because they don't innately have so many material things that they can make their gods. So I would say that that's opened up the door for the gospel in that way. And also because they don't have as much access to things like the internet, it opens up the door for the gospel for them. And the reason why I say that is because we having the tool of the internet can think that we're experts in something just because we look up something on the internet and we know a few things about it. And so we look up things like evolution and we learn things about that and we look up a skewed view of that and, and we think that we're academically superior to Christians and that sort of thing. And so even in that regard, because they don't have that because they don't have that influence, it allows for the gospel to be shared in a much more open way.
0: Yeah, I mean, that right there, I think you're hitting on probably the biggest issue in the whole world. And what a tragedy it is when we get to the point where we think because we have letters after our names, we know something. Sure. I mean, that's not to take away from anybody who, you know, studies to be a doctor or a lawyer. I think that's awesome, but the Bible is very clear uh, that education like isn't the thing and we see that in second timothy chapter three uh when paul's talking about the last days when perilous times will come men shall be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth and in these first world countries that material culture just puts everything right in front of you like you go to youtube university now (laughs) and you're ever learning but you're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth
1: Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. So with with that being said, I mean, you have this material culture opening the doors for the gospel over there. Over here is quite different. And so I know when you were in Malawi, I I, I stayed in touch with you on a, a very regular basis. As you were telling me stories, I started to look at my culture that I was in and go, this is Distractionville, USA.
1: Absolutely.
0: So so it, it it weighs on you as a Christian who's pursuing something as, you know, as important as ministry, full-time ministry, to look at your culture and be like, man, this is this is a distraction. Everything I'm doing is a distraction. You could be completely innocent. Just like, man, this is nothing but Distractionville, USA. So I've never been had the opportunity to remove myself from Distractionville, USA. You have, and and you've been able to thrive in an environment where you weren't in Distractionville, USA. Now that you're back in Distractionville, USA. How are you combating
1: that? Yeah, it's definitely been tough. and um, I would say the biggest way that I'm combating it is just try to put a premium on the Word of God to make sure that I'm never compromising in that area because it's it's very easy just get wrapped up in the materialism again when um, you come back into this culture and not even know it because you can think, oh, you know, I'll watch. A movie with my mom and then it comes turns into two or whatever and next thing you know you're hooked and and then you've left the word of god or i think the much more applicable um yeah. example would be facebook instagram social media because yeah. in Malawi i had internet but i had to pay for internet differently. I, I had to buy minutes. And of course, I didn't have all the money in the world when I was in Malawi. I was a missionary living on a, a budget that I had pre-raised. And so I was only ever on Facebook just to post updates or just to post pictures on Instagram, and that was it. And so because I didn't have a lot of time to dwell in them, I, I got to really remove myself from the social media land, which is Distractionville, USA. And and I'm so thankful for that, And so it's definitely tempting now having internet and cell service wherever I go to just flip up Facebook whenever I'm bored or to wake up and what's going on on Facebook? Open that and scroll through that. And then I'm thinking, okay, yes, yeah, I'm going to go downstairs and get breakfast. And I've totally left the word of God for the morning. And so it's just realizing what I said in the last episode that this is more important than your own necessary food. And you have to believe that. Even though it doesn't feel as much like it did in Malawi, you have to recognize that it's as important as it was when you were in Malawi. It's just as important. And it's a lot easier to not see that because we have all those distractions and we have all those comforts that we can run to instead of the Word of God.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. I mean, I think it would be a great experience for any Christian to be removed from the distractions and see what it takes to thrive in having that relationship with God and it seems i mean i guess it would just be so much easier to be pursuing god without all the distractions i, I should say i guess i know it would be because when you have when that's all you have that's all you're going to chase after and i'm sure for you i mean coming back to america where there is all these different things to preoccupy your mind and steal your attention and time i'm sure you're you're on guard against that i just wish that it didn't take that for you know for everybody. I wish that they just fell so in love with God's word and so in love with 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 Jesus that man, they just totally came to that place of surrender where it's like, I'm ready to just shut off Facebook, I'm ready to just shut off the TV. We live in this culture, man, here, wherever you have access to the internet, where even a good meaning Christian, I do this all the time, like, oh man, where is that 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 verse in the Bible? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go look it up on Google, right? Okay, so you you are in the field where it's like, you don't have that. You can't do yeah. that. So it forces you to get into the Word and really study and find that truth. I mean, that's just awesome.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely was awesome, and it did exactly what you said. It, it caused me to have to get in the Word and know where my verses are and to let it become a part of me. Yeah, well, that's good.
0: I mean... You, we should we should attack the Bible that way. It should be a part of our everyday life and it should not be a box that needs checked. It's the place we're dying to get home from work to just get into. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: It's not just sit down and watch YouTube and I'm so guilty of this. Sure. I'm not condemning anybody. I wish that I could experience that type of that type of life where it's just like, Man, all I have is God and the Word right now. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna dive in and fall so in love with this like, man, I'm happy to be here. And it sounds like Towards eight or nine months, that's where you were. Maybe even sooner, where it's like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And biggest time of growth in my life, and that being one of the major components of that, was um, I was waking up and spending about an hour and a half to an hour 45 minutes, depending how long it took me to get ready in the morning, just in the word, and putting that premium on. That's the way I start my day, before I even go out and enter the mission field, as it were, outside of my door. Mm-hmm. That's the way that I start my day. And um, that was the greatest chunk of time that I would I'd ever in my life done. And, and I am sad to say that I haven't done that much coming home. It's not been an hour and a half. It's, it's been more towards 45 minutes to an hour, which is still a great chunk of time. But I want to try to keep what I learned in Milan, keep that schedule to the best of my ability.
0: Yeah. I have two things I want to I want to hit on before we close out this interview. And the first one is there, there's a story you told me while you were there. And it's probably one of the most touching stories maybe I have ever heard. I know certainly one of my favorite stories that you told me while you were there. And there, there's a story about what I believe is your translator who who hops in his canoe, and I'm going to just let it take you from there, or let you take it from there, and just tell us this, this story. Yeah, so
1: uh, a guy that I worked underneath, the head of the spiritual department, I worked hand-in-hand hand with him. Like you said, he was the one that was going out with me on the home visitations, and he was translating for me. Um, I remember one day, he, I, I came into the office, and he was already there, and he had on his desk this, <laughs> you can't even really call it a book, It was a binding with a bunch of pages that most of them were water-damaged and ripped out, and he was so proud of this thing. He kept just looking at it and smiling and kind of, like, pushing it closer to me to try to get (laughs) me to say something about it, and I'm like...
0: Hey, look at this, man. Yeah,
1: right, right. I'm like, dude, what is this? Like, why do you have this on your desk? This looks like something that you pulled out of the dump. He's like, well... Let me tell you about what I did this past weekend. And so uh, Malawi is a landlocked country. It's all around, well, about three-quarters of it is surrounded by the country Mozambique. And so he told me that over the weekend he had hopped in a canoe with his Bible and he canoed up to Mozambique, got out of Mozambique, had someone pick him up, and he drove somewhere and just preached the gospel. Wasn't even coordinated, wasn't that he was... Supposed to speak somewhere it wasn't that he was invited. He just went and he did it. And where he got that, what it found out to be a Bible, um, was from a man who had that. And and he says, man, I just wanna, I just wanna read my Bible, but I can't. I only have all these, all these pages missing. And and my translator gave him his own Bible and took the man's Bible in return. And was so proud of that Bible. And so hmm. an incredible, touching story in many ways one of the ways being the desire that man had to hear the word of God, also the willingness for the translator to give that Bible so freely and the translator's willingness to spend his weekend canoeing on a river to a country that he had been to a few times but not his home country, doesn't really know anyone there, wasn't planned or anything, just went there and preached the gospel to a group of people, and people gave their lives to Christ by the grace of God.
0: I love that story and you know we're not trying to trash America or our culture or anything, but here we have such a hard time going and sharing the gospel with our neighbor that we can walk to in two seconds because we're afraid of how they'll think about us. Yep. And I love that story because this is a guy that got in a canoe and, and he canoed to his neighbor. Yeah. Just so he could have that chance of sharing the gospel. It's like, what does it take to have that heart surgery inside of us where we're willing to get in our own canoe to travel wherever we need to to share that truth with somebody I mean that's the epitome of loving your neighbor that's where I want to be that's where I think you want to be I think that's where Casey wants to be and I think that our whole hope with, with this podcast was this would be our canoe and I hope that it continues to be our canoe where we can just paddle it upstream to reach whoever we can possibly reach I I just love that story. I think it changed me when I heard it from you. Mm. And it's probably one that I'll retell, even though I didn't get to experience it (laughs) firsthand like you. But man, what a good
1: story. Oh, yeah. I love that story. And and just what you said kind of made me think you know, one of the things that brought me to the point where I really determined I'm going to get my own canoe and, and go and share the gospel with people was I realized, really, just man. We have the cure for a disease. Choosing to not share the gospel with somebody is just like having the cure for somebody who's dying of a disease and choosing to not extend your hand to them and say, here's the cure to, to your disease but it's up to you if you'll take it. It's the same thing to choose to not extend your hand to a man who's drowning in water or to extend your hand with a bottle of water to somebody who is um, dying of dehydration in the desert because the reality is, is that people have a disease and the disease is called sin and they're going to die of that disease and their death is much worse than that of drowning or dehydration or from sort of some sort of a... Uh, disease that they have the disease the end goal of that disease is not only death but it's an eternal death in hell and um and we have the cure which is the gospel and so i love the verse just whenever i think about that i think about first corinthians chapter 9 verse 16 for though i preach the gospel i have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me yea woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel, just an incredible verse. Woe is unto us if we preach not the gospel. We have that necessity light upon us because we have the cure, and there's people dying out there of this terrible disease of sin. Now, whether that person will accept that cure, that's between them and God, but it's our responsibility to share that and to extend our hand and to share that gospel with them. And once we've done that, we've done everything that God's asked us to do. Amen, man. Well, in closing,
0: this is the last one I want to end on. And this one's coming out of left field. I haven't, okay. I, haven't I, I haven't talked to you about this yet, but just real quick, what would you say to anybody who's considering doing a, an extended stay in a foreign country as missions by way of advice? Like, what are some, what are some things that you would like to
1: say to that person? Well, first off, stay obedient. Um. Your obedience is what got you to this point um, that you're deciding, yeah, I want to go and and uh, and go do extended mess, uh, missions. Um, but I think a lot of the things that we talked about is things that I would reiterate to them. The fact that, um, hey, you know, you it might not be next year that you're going on this mission trip. It might be 10 years before God actually gets you to the mission field. It, it might be two months. It, it, you know, you never know. It's going to be in God's timing. God's timing is always perfect. And the way you're going to be able to decipher that is through local church leaders in agreement, God paving the way for you financially and in your health to be able to go, and for God opening up that door, and for God giving you that assurance and feeling led by the Holy Spirit through your time in the Word and through prayer. Not only that, I would reiterate the fact that if you're not in the Word of God when you get to the mission field every single day, you will get chewed up and spat out. I I promise you. And, and I experienced that to a small extent where in December, one of my best friends, Jake, came and spent about a week and a half with me. I leaned on him during that week instead of the word of God. When he left, man, I felt like there's this distance between God and I. And as a result, that month was hard for me just from a month and just from a week and a half of not being in the word of God. It, it really affected me for a month. And so just stay in that word, realize like Job, that it is above your own necessary food. Yeah. Yeah. That's good
0: stuff, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story with us. I'm sure that it's going to go further than you or I both even recognize. And so, and also I just wanna say thank you for all of you who have taken time out of your busy schedules to listen to, to this. I know it blesses us when you take part in this ministry just by listening to it. So we're gonna sign off here, but we just wanted to say, this is a, this is a race that we're in. We wanna finish strong. And I just wanna urge you to Examine yourself and kind of just figure out what, which direction is the needle pointed this week. And uh, we're we're gonna get back after it next week. Casey will be back with us. We'll get back to our normal schedule. But uh, I just think this was a great time, and I'm so glad that we got to, to time this so perfectly with you coming home and you're so fresh. And yeah. it's it's great to see somebody who has the needle pointed in the right direction. And I hope that what we talked about over this past these past two episodes will really help people get the needle in the right direction and push them in a direction that. They really get to the point where they're reaching maximum glory for God. So that that's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Bye.